Well, hey, it is my great privilege to introduce to you somebody very special uh, in my life this morning. Um, I'm going to introduce you to a guy by the name of Brian. When I met Brian, uh, it was a couple years ago, and he was uh, the lead pastor uh, at a church in Fall City. And he and his, his family, his wife, were praying about possibly moving to Lincoln. And God had just given them a heart for this city and for the people of this city. And we're exploring whether or not God would have them uh, move here. And so we got Starbucks a couple times and talked about, you know, future and talked about this church and, and our heart for, for continuing to plant churches and to send people out and to love people the best that we can. And lo and behold, a couple years later, uh, Brian, actually less than that, but a year later, Brian and his family moved to Lincoln. Where, and now Brian works at the City Mission. And, uh, and just to tell you a little bit about this guy, when he showed up at Mosaic, um, you never would have guessed, you know, that he, he was a senior pastor right before he got here. Um, because he, he didn't carry himself like he had something to prove. He didn't, he didn't carry himself like, oh, you know, I used to be a pastor, you need to respect me, or anything like that. Instead, he picked up a mop and just started serving. And, and I don't know about you, but I'm one of those old school guys that believes, you know what, if you want to be a leader, you need to pick up a mop and start serving. And when you can find joy in that, then we'll have a con- conversation about leadership, you know, kind of the, the way of Jesus, the servant leadership mentality. And Brian, from the day one, has just embodied this. And so when he showed up, he just started serving. Uh, and then um, we had a need of Mosaic Kids, and so he stepped in and, and took over Mosaic Kids. So he goes from, you know, pastoring the church and, and preaching every week and being up front uh, to serving kids in what is oftentimes a very thankless role. And he did it with joy, never heard a negative word, not a single complaint. Uh, just a great guy. And now, here's a guy, by the way, up here with the, the rock star voice, you know. Um, so he's very talented. He won't tell you that, but I'll tell you. He, he's a talented guy. So anyway, um, I absolutely have come to just love and, and respect and trust uh, this man over the past couple years. And it is a great honor that, to have him as a part of our church. And so uh, this morning, um, it is my great privilege to introduce to you, uh, teaching this morning, uh, Brian Thomas. Hey guys, I'm happy to be here, and um, one of the number one rules of that's uh, unspoken but very well known among pastors is be careful who you give the microphone to, because uh, the person with the microphone is in charge, and uh, you never know what's going to come out of their mouth, and so you don't want to give it to the wrong person, otherwise you might be back there. So... But the truth, truth of the matter is that the, the most feared person in the church is actually the sound guy. Because um, at any point, you know, if you make the sound guy mad, you know, all he has to do is... Okay, <laughs> but uh, anyway, no, uh, sound guy's a, a, a vital role, and Tyler does a great job. Uh, being a sound guy at Mosaic is... Um, a lot more demanding than being a sound guy somewhere else because uh, Tyler shows up every morning at 7 o'clock, sometimes 6.30, set things up, usually goes home about 1, 1.30. So anyway, we appreciate the work that uh, he does. So, All right. Well, hey, um, real quick, I just wanted to uh, say uh, how much we appreciate this church and this community. When we moved to Lincoln, we we came here and were kind of surprised um, how maybe for the first time in our lives we were all of a sudden really, really lonely. 
and we knew a few people in town, but we didn't really have any friends, and and so it was uh, it was really um, kind of depressing. We're sitting at home, like, oh, I wish we had some friends. What do you want to do? Well, we could do something, but we don't have any friends, and um, so we came to Mosaic, and uh, right away um, we were able to start meeting people. And actually, the first person that that kind of befriended us was Sarah Pearson. She's here today. And I remember, um, hey, Sarah. I remember um, coming home from work, and uh, my wife said, I think I found a friend. <laughs> and uh, so it was It was just a, a great thing. And once we got plugged into a life group and started serving in different ways, we started meeting other people. And I just am really, really thankful. So many of you, um, we appreciate your friendship, appreciate what... Um, what you mean to me and to our family. So anyway, I just want to say that. Hey, my story of indebtedness is goes something like this. When I was um, a young man, and by young man I mean 11, 12, 13, 14 years old, my, my brothers and I had a small lawn mowing business which consisted of a weed eater that worked about half the time and two push mowers. And we had, we had about seven or eight yards that we would mow for incredibly ridiculously low prices. And, um, of course, gas was about 87 cents a gallon back then. Just dated myself. And um, I started mowing a yard for this lady that I've, I've suppressed her name because it's such a painful memory. And... Um, I started mowing a yard for this particular lady, and she was an, uh, an older lady, a widow, probably about, I'm guessing, 67, 68 years old. Her husband had died a couple of years before, and she had sitting in her garage an ancient snapper lawnmower. Yeah, 30-inch cut, single-blade snapper lawnmower, and believe it or not, it had a little rust-orange-colored trailer that went with it. And so she asked me if I would be willing to work for her in payment for, in exchange, I would get the snapper lawnmower with the trailer. And so I began, we, uh, we agreed on a price, and not knowing much about business and not knowing much about used lawnmowers, used riding lawnmowers that were 20 years old, I agreed on the price of $650 for this lawnmower and this trailer. Well, in my 14-year-old enthusiasm, I shared with my uncle, who was much wiser, related to used 20-year-old snapper lawnmowers, that I had just entered a contract to expand my lawnmowing business. You know, because I had visions of grandeur, you know, driving this lawnmower down the street, waving at people, pull my trailer, push lawnmower in the back, weed eater in the back, gas can in the back. I'm driving a lawnmower. So I I decided, and, and God knows my heart, I seriously did not intend to uh, be a cheat or anything, but I decided, oh, I... I'm paying too much for this. I'll just 
I guess I need to pay less for it. And so I changed the price in my little my little ledger. Um, the problem is I didn't talk to the lady about it. And so the next time I went to have my little thing signed where we do our receipt, she's like, what's this? And um, anyway, it be, it's still, in fact, it's so hard for me to talk about it now. I just, just a painful experience. But um, long story short, I ended up paying $650 for that lawnmower, and I was mowing her yard for $10 a pop. So by the time I... I mean, I paid, I mowed this yard for free for for years. I mean, by the time I finished, I was driving up in my truck, getting the, getting my different push lawnmower, because by now, the riding lawnmower was rusting in the backyard and no longer worked. I mean, it was just horrible experience. But that's my story of indebtedness, and um the reason why I, I tell that is because today I'm going to look at a, at a scripture where Jesus tells a story of debt. And it's in Matthew chapter 18. And so we're going to look at the scripture. Perhaps you remember, um, if you were here a couple of weeks ago, we were wrapping up uh, the series at the movies. And um, Aaron talked about how Stories were Jesus, one of Jesus' favorite ways to, to teach. And so we're going to look at one of these stories. It's a parable. A parable is a fictitious story that Jesus intentionally crafted to teach us something about the character of God and how he works in our lives. And so we're going to look at this story. Now, the way that Jesus, the, the, the background to this story is that Jesus had made this statement, and you'll see it in Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. Jesus says, if your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. And then he begins to, to teach about how to, how to handle, in a, in a godly fashion, God-honoring fashion, how to handle conflict. Now, Peter catches on to that, that idea of a brother sinning against him. And so Peter comes to Jesus with this question, and he says, um, look in verse 21, Matthew chapter 18. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. So the tone of it is, is like this. Peter feels like he's being magnanimous, like he's being generous in uh, suggesting that he could forgive someone up to seven times. Jesus' response is, no, you need to forgive way, way more than that. When previous owner of the lawnmower opened the door and discovered that I had changed the uh, the price of the agreement, I remember very distinctly she told me, I give people three chances, three strikes, and you're out. <laughs> She's like, oh, you're a mean person. 
But this is, this is often, as so many of us have, have that, that mentality that we'll let someone hurt us so many times or we'll, we'll give someone only so far and after that, after that it's no more, no more forgiveness, no more, no more compassion, no more. But Jesus challenges us with this story. And I've got to warn you, this is, this is one of those wax on, wax off moments from two weeks ago that, that Aaron talked about where Jesus, as our master, as our, as our leader, tells us something and it's not always easy to hear and yet as his followers, we say yes. So this is, this is going to be, a, I'm just warning you, kind of a challenging message, but I believe it's, it's something, I know I've struggled with it and... I'm sure I'm not the only person in this room that has trouble with this particular issue. So let's let's look at the parable. Okay. Um, I want you to think of this parable as occurring in three acts. It's a story. It's a, it's a drama, a play. And it occurs in three acts. And in the first act, there are two people that we need to be watching. There is the king, a king of a kingdom. And then there is a servant who owes the king a great debt. That's act one. Act one focuses on this this interchange between them and then a great decision that's made. Act two focuses on the servant who, the first servant that we talked about already, and a second servant who owes the other servant. You got that? Sorry, no, it's... Owes the other servant... A debt. And then Act 3, we're back again with the king and the first servant. So let's begin reading in, in verse 23. Then Jesus said to his disciples, oh, no, I'm reading the wrong chapter. Better start in chapter 18. Okay. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, and notice, there's just, this is just a fact. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. That's act one. So we have um, the king, and we have a servant who owes the king a great debt. Now, in this story, Jesus intends for us to understand the king as Representing God. The servant is me. Or in your case, the servant is you. And so this servant owes his king a great debt. Some of your translations may say something like millions of dollars. Literally, it's 10,000 talents the way that Uh, We read here, 10,000 talents. So just how much did this servant owe? A talent 
is not a unit of money. A talent is a weight measurement. In the ancient world, a talent was about 75 pounds. That's a big measurement, right? So you can measure elephants with talents. I don't know. I don't know what you measure with talents. But big things you measure with talents. Oh, that that bull there looks like he's about four talents. Oh, no. It'd be more than that, wouldn't it? Okay. hundred talents. All right. But uh, the, the point is, a talent is a weight measurement, not a currency. And so when we speak of a talent of money, we're literally talking about a talent weight of gold. So we're talking about 75 pounds of gold, one talent. Another way to put this in perspective is a talent was equal to 20 years wages for a laborer. That's a lot of money. Now, this servant did not owe one talent. This servant, in Jesus' story, owed 10,000 talents, or 200,000 years' wages. He owed, if we just take uh, the, the current price of gold, somewhere around, what, $1,600 an ounce, something like that, $1,600, $1,700. Let's go with $1,600 an ounce. $1,600 an ounce, 10,000 talents is $20 billion dollars. I have trouble with anything with more than three zeros. 20 billion is a 20 with nine zeros following. That's a lot of money. A lot of money. And Jesus uses this ridiculous number specifically to make the point that this servant owed a debt that he would never, never be able to repay. The problem is, is that the servant doesn't realize, realize how much he owes. He doesn't comprehend that he'll never be able to repay. Because notice what he says. The servant fell on his knees. Be patient with me, and I will pay back everything. He's lying. No way. Not in a hundred lifetimes. Not in a, not in a thousand lifetimes would he be able to do that. And so Jesus' point here is not uh, a point about money management. You know, that... Maybe if you do the Financial Peace uh, University or whatever, you know, learn how to balance your budget and all that. That's not Jesus' point here, although that's a good idea, you know. Jesus' point here is that this servant owes his king a debt that he will never be able to repay. And since the king in this story represents God, the point is that you and I owe God a debt because of the sins that we have committed. We owe him a debt that we will never, ever, ever be able to repay. Not in a hundred lifetimes. Not in a hundred lifetimes of doing good deeds will we be able to repay this debt of sin that we owe to God. We don't have it in our power to repay. And so, since our debt to God can never be repaid, our only hope is forgiveness. That's our only hope. This is precisely why Jesus died on the cross. Because 
God in his justice, we believe that God, the scriptures teach us that God is just. That he's concerned about things being right. (laughs) And so God in his justice recognizes that there must be payment for sin. But because God is a loving God, he didn't want you and me to have to repay this debt because we can't. And so because we can't repay the debt, he said, I'll send my son to take their place and pay the debt for them. And so in the cross, when we look at the cross, we see in Jesus' sacrifice a perfect justice and the perfect love of God held in perfect balance. He pays the debt himself. (laughs) Romans chapter 5 says this, that God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is, Christ died in our place. Christ died on our behalf. Jesus did not die as a martyr. Jesus was not a victim. Christ laid down his life for us. And the sinless Son of God offered his life as payment for the debt of sin that we owed. The only way to reconcile your debt before God is not by trying harder, not by getting your act together, not by being a better person. The only hope is forgiveness. Forgiveness. And I hope, I hope that you've experienced God's forgiveness today. And if you haven't, you can before you walk out of this place. You can. You can know the freedom that comes from being debt-free before God that's act one let's look at act two act two begins in verse 28 so let me back up to verse 26 the servant fell on his knees before him be patient with me he begged and I will pay back everything the servant's master took pity on him and did what he canceled the debt verse 28 But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. (laughs) Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. Do you, you see the problem here? What's the problem? The problem is that this servant who's just been forgiven a debt that he could never repay suddenly goes out and finds someone who owes him a debt, which 100 denarii. Okay, let's talk about that for a minute. A denarius is, in the ancient Roman world, one day's wage. A denarius. So if we have... 100 denarii, we're talking about approximately three months' wages. 100 days' worth of work. Maybe four months. 
So it's a significant debt, right? I mean, if somebody owes you a third of your annual income, are you going to try to collect? Oh, come on. You know you're going to try to collect, right? <laughs> you're going to... That's a significant debt. But the, the problem isn't that this servant owes him a debt. The problem is the response of this one who's just been forgiven an enormous debt. He goes out and he begins to not be compassionate, not show the same kind of mercy that he has just been shown. And so when Jesus teaches us this there's 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 something here and it's it's that we've all all of us have been wronged all of us have been sinned against by others all of us could go down the list and tally up the debts that are owed to us by so and so and mr mr jones and mrs smith and We've all been wronged. Because when we sin, and when other people sin, it hurts. But Jesus challenges us to a different response than what comes so naturally, what comes normally. The natural response when someone offends us, when someone hurts us, when someone wrongs us is to, if you're type A personality, what are you going to do? You're going to retaliate. You're going to strike back. If you're more of a passive person, you're just going to smolder and think about it and pout. And that's the normal response. And if, you're, if, if, if that's your response, you're... you're you're like the rest of us because we've all responded that way at one time or another. Jesus challenges us to something different. Jesus challenges us to forgive, to let go. It's a higher, a better response, and it's infinitely more challenging forgiveness. Forgiveness is hard because it means that we have to trust God with our wounds. We have to trust God with those things that have hurt us so deeply. We've all been wronged by others. We must choose between forgiveness and our rights. Are we going to hang on to our rights, our right? Yes, do you have a right to hold a grudge? Sure. Do you have a right to hang on to that thing that was done to you absolutely <laughs> is that what Jesus is calling us to no he's calling us to something higher something better forgiveness Jesus the one whom we are following he's the one who cried father forgive them father forgive them while he was hanging on the cross and this is the Jesus we're called to follow. The Jesus who teaches us to pray, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us.
Let's read these last few verses in this story. Verse 31. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant! I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. If you're here today and you've made that decision to follow Jesus, you've experienced God's forgiveness for yourself, he calls us to imitate him to, by doing for others what he has done for us. See, forgiveness is not based on whether the person deserves it or not. Forgiveness is based on grace. Forgiveness... isn't based on whether the other person changes or asks for forgiveness because they may never do that. Forgiveness is not what, it's not about what the other person will say or do. Forgiveness is about my heart choosing God's grace and choosing to share God's grace with someone else. And the truth of the matter is that sometimes forgiveness, um, excuse me, sometimes reconciliation isn't possible. Okay, so by suggesting that you forgive that person that has, has hurt you, I'm not necessarily suggesting that that relationship is going to be reconciled. <laughs> reconciliation is not always possible. Sometimes the person we need to forgive is dead. <laughs> How are you going to reconcile then? You can't, Okay. Sometimes reconciliation would just be dangerous or stupid, okay? Reconciliation isn't always possible, but forgiveness is always possible because it's about my heart responding to God and my heart responding to God's grace. Wow. Sorry. <laughs> That's heavy, I know. There should have been, when you came in, there should have been a, a sticky note on your chair. Do you see that? I want to do something here, and I just want to ask you to take that sticky note, and perhaps you're here, and, and like me, this, is, this has, is something that is an issue for you. Um, because I wish, guys, I wish I could stand here and say that, that I've mastered this this thing called forgiveness, I haven't. Sometimes it's a daily struggle for me. But hearing what Jesus says, I know that it's not an option for me as a follower of Jesus. So if, if you feel a prompting in your heart, maybe 
you're thinking of a, a specific person or a specific date, an incident that happened. I just and and you're ready to commit to take the first steps in in letting go of that that painful experience in your life. I just want you to write that down. Write down a name, maybe or or a date that the event happened or what it was or what was said or what was done. Because here's what I believe. I believe that when we follow Jesus in obedience, no matter how difficult it is, when we obey him, is that he begins to bring healing to our lives. See, that's what, that's what this is about. It's not just about some legalistic way of, well, Jesus said it, so I guess I got to do it. But it's about allowing God to form his character in us. It's about becoming the people that he created us to be. Healing our wounds. And God can do that. But as long as we hold on to it, there'll be no healing. It just remains an open, open festering wound. Let's bow our heads and pray. And I encourage you to write, write down something and then take whatever step you need to take, whether it's writing a letter, making a phone call, sending an email, meeting somebody over coffee, whatever you need to do, take that step and let God bring healing in your life. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I'm humbled today by your word, and yet I'm thankful that you love us enough to say things to us that we need to hear, even though it might be difficult. And so, Lord, I pray for, not just for myself, but for everyone in this room today who is struggling with this issue. Thank you, Lord, that you're patient with us, that you're loving. And God, help us, help us to color our world with the grace that you've shown us. In the name of Jesus, amen.